Amen. Thank you, Kath. Hey, that was uh, that was interesting, wasn't it? How many of you followed the storm last last when we left last Sunday? Did you follow it on the news and everything? <laughs> I kept hearing the the weather people and the news people like they were really flabbergasted almost like they didn't understand why this storm wasn't bigger than it should have been like they had predicted and it was so much less anybody believe that maybe prayer and God has something to do with that I believe there are Christians all over this nation that were praying for that thing and God we've even seen some people were talking about having a picture of these angelic presence just kind of holding it back like there wasn't even the storm surge they were talking about you remember that and I thought, man, this is, this is really great. You know, now we can keep praying and giving towards people that were damaged, but aren't you glad it was so much less than it was intended? And then that's just really fun. We've had several testimonies this last uh, week of God really doing some amazing things. Um, I think she's gone. Yeah, the youth went in the other room. But my daughter, Sydney, we were at the Labor Day picnic. Some of you, uh, I don't know if some of you, if I, to, I don't think I told you this one, right? Sydney had a friend uh, that she invited from school and doesn't go to church anywhere, and, uh, but she's good friends with this gal from school. She invited her to the picnic. She got whacked in the head, I think, with a soccer ball, and she had this incredible migraine headache. Like it was, you ever had one of those where you're just, just pounding? So she was a mess. She comes up and says, hey, uh, or Sydney comes up and says, hey, Dad, is it okay if she takes a couple Advil? Her mom, it's okay with her mom and all And I, you know, I was like, um, yeah, you know, like I didn't really know what's going on. And uh, I was flipping burgers because I'm the burger master, especially since Mike wasn't there. I had to take over. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I'm like, okay, I'm burning stuff. And so Charlotte was right there, and Sydney was there, and her friend was there. And I said, hey, why don't you guys pray for, you know, I think Charlotte actually said, why don't we pray for her first? And we're like, yeah, yeah, do that. So they stepped in the, inside our house. We were on the deck. They stepped in the house. And, uh, like, seriously, a minute, I don't even know, 30 seconds later, this gal, Sydney's friend, comes busting out of the house, and she's going, this is crazy. This is crazy. I said, what is it? She goes, it's completely gone. <laughs> like, oh, but wait, wait, wait I got to back up one second. When they got inside to pray, Charlotte says to Sydney, you pray for your friend. So Sydney was actually the one that laid hands on her and prayed for her. She comes busting out of the house. I gets crazy. And then I said, that's just God showing you how much he loves you. He's, and she said this. She goes, it's magic. <laughs> and she comes saying, it's crazy. It's magic. Like, like, it was so awesome just to see the look on her face. Like, just completely, the headache was just completely gone. No need for Advil. No need for nothing. And that God was using Sydney to touch her friend. That's pretty awesome, right? That's really good. God is good. We, uh, we actually saw a couple of miracles that day. What was the other one? I'm forgetting. Oh, right. So, not that it's all Abbott's all the time or anything, but, but my other daughter, Susie, she, oh, yeah. Have you, some of you have met my new dog, Wrigley. Wrigley is a 65, 70-pound golden retriever who's all puppy all the time. Like, she is really, and she's strong, man. So for some reason, the dog came out to say hi to everybody on Labor Day at the picnic, and Susie had, had her on a leash, and the dog just went boom, and it took off like a rocket and just, you know, kind of jerked her arm right out. Well, I didn't see all that happening, but all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm there. The tears are coming, and everybody's coming around. Uh, 
we take her in, we start putting uh, ice on it, and it was the, it wasn't the, the shoulder. First we thought maybe it was the shoulder joint, but it was actually the muscle on her arm. It was really hurting. We put some ice on it, and it was, you know, didn't look good. It looked pretty bad. And so we just started praying over her. We just declared healing. And uh, then I felt the Holy Spirit said, take the ice off her arm, rub it, and send her back out. <laughs> and so I said, Susie, you're going to be great. This is going to be fine. We take the ice off. She goes out within, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. She's running around like no, not a problem or care in the world. Like this thing was completely made whole. And uh, I was just thinking that's pretty fun Labor Day picnic of God's healing people and we're having hamburgers. So, I mean, it was awesome. It was really fun. Yeah. How many of you know that God wants to do that every single day of our lives? And I don't know what the situation is, and, and, you know, some things happen, and they turn out like that, the quick ones like that, and other times you, it, there's a certain fight for it, you know, you have to battle for it. But one of the things we're going to do today, after the message last Sunday, we talked a little bit about how the storms in life come, right? And, the, you know, in the case of last week and the couple weeks before, both those hurricanes and the fires in California and all this stuff going on. You know, I hate the way God gets a bad rap. Because I think sometimes we flip, we flip God and the devil. Like we give, we, we blame God for stuff we should be blaming the devil for. And we give credit to the devil, things we should be giving God credit for, right? So like the insurance company, when, when a tornado comes or a hurricane or something like that, what do they call it? An act of God. Like somehow God's going, yeah, they didn't pay their tithes. Hit that house. <laughs> you know, and the tornado comes or whatever. Or over here, oh, you know, Florida, there's a lot of sinners in Florida. We better get them, you know. And Houston, let's not even talk about Houston. Go get them, you know. <laughs> like, like some people have it in their mind that God is this kind of angry, vindictive, uh, you know, you know, like another, look, <laughs> in some churches it almost feels like this. Like the Father really doesn't, care that much about you, but Jesus goes to him and tries to talk God, the Father, out of all the wrath he wants to pour out, you know. And it's just not that way. We're going to look at next week. We won't do it this week. I'm going to jump the gun too much. But Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. So what we see in Jesus, we actually see that's what the Father is. It's the perfect representation. So God is not this angry, vindictive thing. Remember we talked about the last day? Versus the last days. I believe we're in the last days, meaning that the earth and, you know, all the turmoil, all this stuff. But it's actually the age of grace. Like God is actually giving mankind a chance to come to him and to know him, right? And to uh, experience his love, you know, what we've been singing about this morning. But this idea that God is this mean, vindictive, you know, angry deity that just can't wait to bonk you on the head, Right? I want to tell you this morning, that is not, that is not true. That is not God. God actually loves you so much, and he loves me so much, and he's got some great things for us. And so I began to think about this, like this idea of who is God and what, what is he really, right? So you may have noticed some stuff behind me. I felt like God laid on my heart this idea of, you can go to the next slide if you want, progressive revelation. Progressive revelation. Now, to revelation comes from the word to reveal, right? See, I have a firm conviction, and I think it's backed up by pretty much the whole Bible, <laughs> that God is really 
interested in revealing more of himself to us every day. Like, there isn't a sense that God goes, yeah, that's enough. You've got enough of me. You're good to go. <laughs> you know? Like, God, God says, listen, if you'll seek me, you will find me. Right? If you seek me with all your heart. And so there's this sense that God wants to reveal more and more of himself. But the problem is, you know, we talked last week about how the planet is broken. The whole, the whole thing is broken. When Adam sinned in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it set the whole world kind of on edge. And the, and the earth itself, actually, it says in Romans, we looked at last week, how it's groaning for the sons and daughters to make themselves known to the glory of God, right? Like there's this sense that the earth itself got kicked out of whack back in the garden. And so God was in the garden with Adam and Eve, and it talks about how they had this relationship. I mean, how cool is this? They had no guilt or shame or anxiety or depression or anything. It actually says about Adam and God that they, that they would walk in the garden in the cool of the day. I just think that is such a cool picture. There was just this intimacy and this perfection in the garden. No sin, no trouble, no anxiety, none of that stuff. And God, you can almost imagine God and Adam just walking and God just pouring himself who he is into Adam and just talking to him and letting him know his heart and there's no barriers. You see, we live in a world where sin has come in and how many of you know it's, sometimes it's hard to get past some stuff and you've got, you know, your past and you've got words that have been spoken over you and all this weird stuff. And so there's a real struggle sometimes to really get past some stuff and get to the heart of God. Well, here's the thing. Adam didn't have that problem. It was perfection. But, of course, if you read in Genesis, you'll see that, that uh, the, 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 the enemy in the form of a, a serpent came and tempted Adam and Eve, and they sinned, and everything kind of got knocked out of whack. In fact, I would propose to you today that the whole history of God and man is God taking from the garden and trying to restore it back to perfection for all of eternity. Like, that's the journey. He wants, in essence, we need to get, he wants us back in the garden walking with him in the cool of the day, right? And so this morning, I really feel like God has, has laid something on my heart in this idea of progressive revelation because after Adam sinned, it was like they had to go not only back to zero, but kind of way back, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, the descendants of Adam and, and the people that came after him, they, didn't, they don't have any experience of being with God in the garden, do they? They maybe heard a few stories from from. from dad or uncle Adam or grandpa Adam, but they didn't experience that. And so God, in a sense, had to start at the very beginning with them and begin to bring them along. And, it, and we're going to go through a few things this morning, uh, but, but the first one is this. These are some of the names of God. This is some of the characteristics of God. Now, obviously, it's not all of them. I've just highlighted a few that we're going to look at this morning. But the first one is Elohim. Everybody say that with me. Elohim. Elohim is one of the first names of God that we see in the Bible, and it actually is from Genesis 1.1. Elohim speaks the world into existence. So the name of God is creator, right? Powerful God, mighty and strong. I mean, how strong do you have to be to speak the word and it appears, right? Elohim. And God, I think, really wanted to show himself mighty and strong and creative, here at the very beginning, Elohim. 
But one of the things I want us to look as we go through these names today is what is God revealing? What is he revealing? And as we go through this, I want you to to keep in mind a couple things. We're going to work our way. This is mostly Old Testament stuff. We're going to be working our way through that. But the goal isn't the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. What's the goal? The new and better covenant. We'll get to that next week. But this idea that God keeps bringing us along step by step and revealing himself here more and more. So he starts off with Elohim. And what is God revealing? He says, I am the source. Right? He wants us to know that at the very beginning, at the very uh, you know, foundational uh, stone, if you will, in the thing that he's building, he says, listen, I am Elohim. I am creative and strong. And I, my words have power. I am your source. And I would encourage you today, as we're going through some of these, just take some notes. Because different ones of these are going to be highlighted by the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, maybe you're at a place where, where you need God to be creative and to create something in your life. Maybe there's, a, there's an issue or a place that you're at that God, you just feel like God is saying, listen, maybe it's a new business. Maybe it's a new way of thinking about reaching your neighborhood or, or maybe there's something new on the job that God wants to create in you. I want to tell you today, he's Elohim today as much as he was back in Genesis 1-1. He's still mighty and strong, and he still wants to create things in us. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, that's good. That's good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, so he begins this journey, and of course, we, the Adam and Eve sin in the garden. And so the generations after that, God begins to reveal himself uh, in new ways. So we start with Elohim, and then we move to uh, Genesis 15, we find, or 12 actually first, and then Genesis 15, we find God calling Abraham, and he wants Abraham to be the, the founding father of the nation of Israel, his chosen people, okay? So he calls this guy Abraham, and he begins to to tell him that he's going to use him and do great things. Genesis uh, 12, 1 through 3, God says to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Interesting, isn't it? To the land I will show you. That's revelation right there, isn't it? Like Abraham didn't even know where he was going, but God wanted to reveal himself to him step by step. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God makes a covenant with Abram. If you go back and read these few chapters in Genesis, I encourage you to do that. Genesis 12 through 18 or so, there's, there's this journey that God takes Abram on, and he says, listen, I'm taking you from a way far country. You're, you're not my chosen, but now you're my chosen. And as I reveal to you and I make a covenant with you, I say to you that you are going to be this. Do you see in that passage how many times it says, I will? I will bless you. I will do this. I will do that. He goes on and, on, and God is just declaring over Abram and really us. Because what does it say in the last there? And all people on earth will be blessed through you. It's actually speaking to us right there. That's pretty good. But you see, a covenant-making God is one who says, listen, I am committed to you. And I'm not going to change my mind. 
I'm not going to be, you know, like we live in a world today that's pretty iffy on the whole covenant thing, isn't it? Like people just break covenants anytime they feel like they want to. Let me tell you something, that is not God. In fact, the journey that Abram goes on with God is, is what we call a blood covenant where animals were actually, you know, slain and cut in half. And at one point, God says to Abram, take these animals and put them, cut them in half, one on one side and one on the other, and I'm going to walk through with you through this as a sign of my commitment and my covenant to you. Now, we don't really get that picture because that's kind of odd to us as Americans, but in those days, a blood covenant was pretty serious. It, it was like the most commitment that you could make to another person. And if you broke that covenant, you, you would be killed, okay? God is saying to Abram, listen, I'm a covenant maker. And isn't it interesting? Because when God moves from being just mighty and strong and creative to actually saying, listen, that is not just who I am. It's who I want to be in your life. And I make a covenant with you that I'm going to be there. And there's some people I believe that, and so the question I'm going to ask on each of these is, what is God revealing? God is revealing progressive revelation that I'm committed to you. I'm committed to you. Why don't you just put your hand on your heart for a second. Just close your eyes. And I want you just to hear the voice of God saying, I am committed to you. I'm committed to you. I want to make a covenant with you. I will not fail you. I will not back up. I will not go without you. I am committed to you. I am your covenant-making God. Anybody say amen? Amen. I really like that one. I am committed to you, and if you're taking notes, right, forever. Forever, right? So God moves. He says, Elohim, I'm this mighty thing, but I'm a creator. I'm committed to you in covenant in covenant. Then the next revelation, and here, this is actually tracing through the Bible, right? So as we start at the beginning and work our way through, this is very timeline. Do you understand? How many of you ever, um, <laughs> how many of you have ever not known something, and you ask somebody to help you with that, to give you knowledge and try to walk you through it, and they're way smarter than you? And they assume you're smarter than you are. And so they just talk, 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 talk. And you're like, oh, I don't get it. Be quiet. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. One plus two, one plus one equals two. Okay, good. Like when I was, uh, when I was younger, I had to have a tutor for, for something. I, we, had, um, we were missionaries. We were in, in Costa Rica. And we had gotten to the school uh, actually several weeks late. So I was way behind in, in uh, algebra. Now, math is not my greatest thing. How many of you, math is not your greatest thing? Just go ahead. Let's be honest. We'll have a support group. It'll be awesome. Okay. But I got to this class, and the teacher, I said, listen, I don't really understand what we're doing. He says, okay, but you can't just jump in where we are. You have to go all the way back to the beginning and learn and do all the assignments to catch up with the class, but we're not going to slow down for you. We're going to keep going. <laughs> I was just like, what? You know? So there were some people that, that I wanted to help me get, get my math stuff going, my, my algebra, right? And uh, there's just really smart. How many of you are really smart math people? If you, the other ones, we don't like math. How many of you are really good at math? Anybody? Okay. You have to take it easy on us, the rest of us. 
Because if somebody knows something, they just talk, 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 and they go really fast. And I was just, I was so overwhelmed. It was too much, right? See, I think God actually works the same way with us. What, if, what would have happened if God, with Adam and Eve and, and Cain and Abel and some of the early ones, had just said, okay, Elohim, then covenant maker. Then the third one is Jehovah Jireh. Anybody know what Jehovah Jireh means? What is it? God provides, or the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. You see, as we move along in the journeys, we get into Genesis, we find that Abraham is tested by God to take his son Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, again, we're not going to go there and preach this whole thing, but that's just crazy. That's a crazy question for God to ask of somebody, don't you think? And again, it's pretty early on in the journey of building the foundation of who God is. But God tests Abraham. When, when Abraham passes the test, God says, look, right over there, there's a ram caught in the bush. Use him for the sacrifice, not your son. And he says this, that God is Jehovah Jireh. I will provide. You see, when we get into situations where we don't understand and there's maybe not enough resources or there's, there's questioning on, you know, how's this going to work out? Here's the thing. I encourage you, Elohim, covenant maker, Jehovah Jireh, I will provide. It doesn't say I might provide. It says what? I will provide. I will provide. I will provide for you. I will provide for me. I will provide. We've talked a lot about this here, and I just want to encourage you with this again. If you're taking some notes and doing some of this, we're going to put some of this stuff up on the website too this week, so some of the verses and those things. But I would encourage you like, to take the areas that you're weak in. In other words, as God is progressing in you, there is power in declaration. There is power in promises. <laughs> How many of you have ever declared something in God that you weren't really sure was going to be? <laughs> Right? Like when you're having financial trouble and you declare Jehovah Jireh, you know, there are times where the circumstances look bigger than the promise, right? And yet God says, listen, I will provide. We can't even imagine what it would have been like for Abraham tying up his son and putting him on the altar. I don't even, I mean, oh my word. I'm glad God didn't test me that way. I'll just tell you that. I, I love my four kids. Yet And yet, God says, even in the midst of the craziness and the stuff that you don't understand, he says, listen, if you will obey, if you will keep trusting me, I will provide. I will provide. Maybe you're here this morning and you're in that place of saying, God, I, uh, I, need, I need to grow in my revelation of you as my provider. Hallelujah. Well, then, you know, the journey, we're not going to talk about every Old Testament character here, but we're going to jump through a little bit. So after Abraham, he has a son named Isaac. And if you read through Genesis and parts of it, you'll see that Isaac, too, takes new places of revelation based on what what his father had already experienced. When I, um, (laughs) I didn't think about this until just now, but... My, uh, my father, many of you know him, he's been in the missionary and pastor, and, and he's also referred to as the mighty one of Jacob. In other words, it speaks to God's overwhelming supernatural power. So he reveals himself. Can I tell you something? El Shaddai, this is the first time it's spoken. 
You see, God isn't he, confused. He's bringing them along on a journey, and he says, listen, you've got the Elohim thing, the creator God thing. That's awesome. Now I'm a covenant with you. Great. Now I'm going to provide for you. Don't worry about that. I got you covered. Now he says, listen, I'm El Shaddai, God Almighty. Now sometimes as Christians, God Almighty kind of just rolls off our tongues. But let me just back up a second. He's not God some mighty. He's not God partial mighty. What does it say? He's God almighty. I think if we could just get into our spirits and our minds, the idea and the thoughts that God has actually given us and live them, it would change everything. I mean, think about it. God almighty. There's no sickness. There's no, no situation. There's nothing that happens in my life that God isn't almighty, right? So here's why I think declarations are so important. Some of you are in a situation where things are going on and you don't get it. I want you just to El Shaddai the thing. (laughs) Amen? God Almighty. What is that revealing to us? That God actually has the ultimate power. Ultimate power. Hallelujah. So he continues to grow the relationship. And so after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then Jacob has a son, well, 12 of them, but Joseph is one of them. If you want to read that story, that's at the end of Genesis. I encourage you to do that. But Joseph actually goes to the next level too. Because even as a young boy, God begins to show him visions of things that are going to come and into the future. And there's a favor on Joseph that wasn't on some of the people before him, his, his relations. We get the story of Joseph, and again, I won't go into the whole story, but he ends up saving the whole known world because of the vision God gave him in regards to the king of Egypt. And so Joseph is elevated to a great and lofty position, and, and God uses him mightily. And, and then 400 years later, all of the Israelites that are in Egypt are in captivity. They're in slavery. So things have gotten pretty bad. And, of course, we talked about that over the last few weeks. But the next revelation that we see of God, he's, so, he's moved here, 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 here. The next one we see is, is one of the most important ones in the Bible. <laughs> Moses is God's chosen representative to be used to set the captive Israelites free from the grip of the Egyptians. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says this. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. (laughs) Check out this last one. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Do you see what he just said there? He said, listen, you've had all this revelation so far, but now I'm going to introduce you to the part of me that is going to be my name from here on in. He literally gives them a new name and a new revelation of who God really is. The great I am. I am. Lord. When you say Yahweh or Jehovah, those are when English equivalent is the word Lord for us. When we say Lord, we're talking about this. And strictly speaking, it is the only proper name for God. Translated in the English Bible's Lord, oftentimes you'll see it in your Bible, all capitals. You ever seen that? This is the name, Yahweh, Jehovah, okay? 
all capitals, to distinguish it from other names of God. The revelation is the name, the revelation of the name is first given to Moses, I am who I am. God reveals something to Moses that nobody else had ever experienced. God says, I am. I'm Jehovah. I'm Yahweh. I'm the Lord. And that is the name I want you to use from here on in. Now, isn't it interesting how when we look at that, we think, okay, I am. That's not just, uh, again, it's a very declarative thing. If you look in your Bibles, almost every time it'll be all capital letters. It's as if, you know, have you ever, okay, this will be funny. When you text people, remember when you first started texting and you would sometimes use all capital letters? And what does that mean? You're shouting. <laughs> and so I know people that just started texting and they would use all caps all the time, you know. And I'd be like, okay, stop, 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 right? <laughs> stop, you can take the all caps off. It's all good, right? But in this case, it's as if God is just shouting, I am. And this is going to be my name from now through all of eternity. Yahweh, Jehovah. Can I encourage you with something? Some of you were, that were at the, the sessions we had with Ian Carroll back a few weeks ago, he, he, uh, during times of meditation, he said, just sit in a chair with your back straight, your legs out in front of you. And then what did he say? He said, just say the name Yahweh. Just say the name Yahweh. So in contemplation and meditation, just speak his name, Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord. And as people began to do that, all of a sudden, boom, revelation started coming to people, and God began to put thoughts in their mind. Now, it's not a magic word in that regard. I mean, it's not like hocus pocus, Yahweh, and shazam, you know. But it is saying this, Lord, I acknowledge that you are all. You are the I am. You are past, present, and future. You are everything. And we give him lordship in those moments. So then Exodus chapter 6, it moves on. In the Amplified Version, it says this, Then God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. How should I? But by my name, I did not make myself known to them in acts and great miracles. See, when God gets to Moses, he says, all of these other things have been great, but I'm going to reveal a whole new part of who I am. A whole new part. And I love that because I think that when the Bible says God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that's actually true. And if God wants to reveal more to Moses, guess what? He wants to reveal more to me as well. So it goes from Jehovah, uh, Yahweh, Jehovah. And what is it revealing to us? The great I am, ever-present, ever-powerful, and he's here. He's here. Goes on further. We get into the book of Exodus. The children of Israel get out of captivity. Moses leads them into the wilderness. They're on the way to the promised land. And they come across the, uh, well, there's like over a million of them. We're not being sure the exact number, but well over a million people marching through the wilderness in the desert. How many of you think they might get thirsty? <laughs> so they're really thirsty, and they come to this, this area where there's waters, and the waters are bitter. Sometimes they can't drink it. I am the Lord who heals. And I thought, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because there was nobody really sick, you know? They didn't drink the water, but how many of you know drinking the wrong water will make you sick, right? 
And I love this because God says, listen, I'm the God who heals. Now, again, he hasn't done that anywhere up to this point yet. He hasn't talked about healing. But now he gets to the point, he says, listen, I'm going to heal stuff that could possibly make you sick ahead of time. Right? And he says, listen, I am the Lord who heals. And again, it's such a declaration, isn't it? He doesn't say, I might heal you or perhaps or whatever. He says, listen, I am the Lord who heals. I am Jehovah who heals you, both in body and soul, in body by preserving them and curing diseases, and in soul by pardoning iniquities. And what is God revealing to us in this? He says, I have power over all of the diseases, even the stuff you haven't got yet. (laughs) I'm going to heal it, just like you healed the waters even ahead of time. He says, I've got this one covered. And again, this is part of the revelation of God that we get to this new place. I am the great I am, ever present now. I am the Lord who heals. Anybody thankful for that name of God? (laughs) So they're in the wilderness. God has showed himself as all these things. Now he's their healer. He's going to take care of them. They get in the wilderness. They start coming up against some other powerful nations. And these nations, you know, try to attack Israel and try to, to uh, you know, they're coming into conflict. Listen, I'm all these things, but now I'm going to show you I'm actually your victor too. I'm powerful in you over your enemies, and you can declare that in your life. I believe there's a lot of Christians that would say today that there are areas where we need victory in, in situations of our lives. How many of you just in honesty right now would just raise your hand and say, Lord, I need, I need victory in this area. I need victory, you know, in this situation or some kind of things. Just stop a moment. Close your eyes. Lift your hand up. And I want you to just declare Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, victory. You are my victor, oh God. Lord, I just speak deliverance. I speak victory over people in these areas right now. Hallelujah. God, that you are not just playing around. You're the real deal. God, that you are the one that said you can declare my name over your situations because I am the victory. Hallelujah. And that's what God's revealing. He's saying, listen, I am your victory. When you get into a difficult place that you need victory, start declaring my name. Say, Lord, I want to have, I want to own this one, right? I want, I want, I want to own this one. I want to be progressive in this thing. I want to believe you're my healer, that you're Yahweh, that you are also my victory. And build and build and build. So we find ourselves moving along on this timeline God gives uh, Moses the Ten Commandments and the law. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, why? Because my ultimate goal is to be restored to you in perfect relationship. And because God is holy, we get to be holy. Just like Adam in the garden, you remember? There was no sin. It was complete holiness. God and Adam walking around naked, just, you know, having a fun time talking and, you know, no shame, no guilt, no nothing. See, I believe that God wants to restore that all the way into us as we move down this timeline. And so God begins to reveal a little bit more of himself. He says, listen, I'm Jehovah Makadesh. I sanctify you. I'm the one that makes you holy. And isn't it interesting? It follows right on the heels right on the heels of, of, of God giving the Ten Commandments, right? So the Ten Commandments come, and he says, yeah, they're good, and they're going to help you, but really, you're not going to be sanctified or made holy by jumping through a bunch of rules and regulations. 
He wanted to remind them, listen, they're good, and they're going to help you on this journey because you're little, and I want you to be big. But remember, I actually am the one that sanctifies. I'm actually the one that makes you holy. So what is God saying? He's saying, I am holy, and I want to make you holy. Just a couple more. The, last, the next one is Jehovah Shalom. As they move on in their journey and the children of Israel get to the promised land, they begin to live there. Some of you that have been around a while remember a series that we did on, the, on Gideon. You remember the story of Gideon? Remember? And what was supposed to be one or two week series on Gideon ended up being like 12 or something. I mean, it was really long. Just God kept bringing revelation and new things to us. But Gideon is a story of a man who, who God chooses that he wants to use Gideon to be his leader to set the Israelites free from the Philistines who had enslaved them and captured them. And God wanted to use Gideon, and so he said, listen, Gideon, I want you. And <laughs> Gideon was not overly confident. He didn't suffer from arrogance at all. In fact, he was hiding. He couldn't believe God was going to use him, and he had a lot of anxiety. <laughs> Do you ever have God speak something to you? And it actually makes you anxious. Like, oh, I can't do that. It's too big. You want me to do what, God? (laughs) I love Jehovah Shalom. Shalom, the word itself, means peace in the English language. But actually, in the Hebrew, it's a much bigger word than just peace or tranquility. The word shalom in Hebrew actually speaks to fullness, right? Wholeness. You know, and it has a lot to do with your, the inner you, the inner me. It has to do with there being peace in the midst of chaos. In the New Testament, you know, we, hear the, we have the verse that talks about peace that passes understanding, right? How many of you know our minds get in the way sometimes, right? Our thinking and our worries and our strife, right? And God says, listen, I want you to know something, that no matter what I call you to or what I do in your life, I'm your peace. Jehovah Shalom. There's another word I would just encourage you. If you're in a situation where you're feeling anxiety, where you're feeling chaos, just begin to speak that word, Shalom. You know, kind of like we did with Yahweh, just speaking his name. I think there are times where when we declare things, New Testament says we declare things that are not as though they were. So when do you need peace? Right? In the midst of chaos. Right? When there's anxiety. We don't need peace when everything's going hunky-dory and I got all the money I need and health and everything's, you know, good. Right? When do I need peace? I need peace when there isn't any. (laughs) Right? And I just want to encourage you that God wants to grow some of us in this area of peace, of speaking over the storms. Remember last week we talked about Jesus. Big old storm came up. How many of you know he wasn't upset about that? In fact... He's catching Z's in the front of the boat. He's actually napping while this is going on. How much peace do you have to have to be in a big storm and you're sleeping? Right? That is Jehovah Shalom. He says, listen, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the storm, I'm your peace, and you can count on me. Moving on a little bit farther, we get to the, uh, let me just remind you, we're moving towards full revelation. Okay? We're actually moving towards Jesus. Okay, you with me? We're moving towards Jesus, and we're going to get there next week, I promise. But 
God is laying the foundation of his character and who he is and his love as he moves us fuller and fuller onto what he has for us. And so the next one is we find the Jehovah Rohi. And Jehovah Rohi is actually written by the Psalm and the King David. Some of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, right? Anybody know how it starts? I shall not want. Right? That's where this comes from. Jehovah Rohi, he says, listen, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want or I shall not be in want. What? See, a shepherd, David, could understand what it means, what that, fully what that entails. And he says, not only am I a shepherd to these sheep, but God, you lead and guide me in the same way I lead and guide these sheep, right? How many love when God is so practical with our lives, right? Like God speaks to a shepherd to say, I am your shepherd. I'm the shepherd of all my people. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. And I love that next phrase, I shall not want. I will lead and guide you. If you're in a situation right now in your life where you feel like, I just don't know what to do next. I've been there many times in my life. I just didn't know what to do next. God, what, where are we going? What are we doing? You know what? I would encourage you to declare. Say, God, I want progressive revelation in the area of you being my shepherd. The Bible is so clear. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and give you hope in a future, right? God has good plans for you. Let me tell you, he's not the shepherd that's going to leave you off the cliff and die on the rocks, right? <laughs> he's the shepherd that's going to, to gently lead you and, and correct you and, and show you the way through the dark places. If you read the 23rd Psalm, what does it say? Though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. The shepherd is right there with me. You're going to take care of me. I got nothing to be afraid of. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a pretty good one. I will lead and guide you. You're my sheep. And God says, I am your shepherd. And then the last one this morning, we find uh, the revelation. God begins to move again into a new area for them. And it's Jehovah Shammah. Say that with me. Jehovah Shammah. And I love this one. It comes out of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 35, and it says this. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. <laughs> Have you ever been in a service or a conference or someplace, or maybe you're all walking in the woods, and you start to sense the presence of God in an overwhelming way? Jehovah Shammah. <laughs> That's what that is right there. Jehovah Shammah. I had it this morning. I was over here worshiping. And have you ever had that thing where your chest just starts to get really full or heavy and it's like, <gasps> you can't hardly breathe? I was over there just worshiping God and all of a sudden I started to feel that. I'm like, oh, Jehovah Shammah. <laughs> Jehovah Shammah. And here's the thing. He's Jehovah Shammah whether I feel it in my chest or not. <laughs> He's Jehovah Shammah, whether I'm all excited and jumping, jumping around. Guess what? When I'm in my lowest place, when I'm in a place of confusion, God says, listen, I'm Jehovah Shammah. I'm right here. And I want to just encourage you today to say this. God, in my situation, in the things I'm going through right now, you may or may not feel Jehovah Shammah right there. But here's the thing. You can 
you can feel his presence. It's a promise. And I believe that God wants some of you to begin to declare over your own lives Jehovah Shammah and say to yourself, Lord, I'm tired of being up and down like a roller coaster and swayed all back and forth. God, I want you to be so real in, in my life and in my situation that, that, I, that I grow up into you in this area. Grow up into you and be more mature, more progressive revelation. God, I want to know more of you and your presence. Whew. What is God revealing? He says, I am here, and my presence is real and tangible. <laughs> I, uh, some of you know I, I love Bill Johnson. I love the stuff going on in Reading and all that. And one of the, if you do a search on the names of God in the Bible, you'll, you'll see even more. But I wanted to highlight the idea that God was bringing us somewhere. You know? And it's all about revelation. It's all about revelation. So as we close, I don't want you to close your eyes. <laughs> I want you to actually look at these different uh, signs up here. And I want you just to allow, I'm going to, pray over you as we're doing this. I want you just to allow Holy Spirit to highlight one of these things. You know, and already I believe some of you have really connected with one of these names of God and one of these things of who he is. Hallelujah. So Lord, I thank you today that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And the same passion that you have for humanity that you had for Adam in the garden and that intimacy and that love relationship with him, you want us to have that. And so, Lord, even as we've seen today how you've laid out the journey for us, progressive revelation, revealing more and more. And, Father, I pray today that as, as, as we end our time together that you would put a hunger in our hearts for more, more, that we would not get stuck in one area on our way in this journey, but, God, you would begin to reveal yourself more and more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just right where you're at, if one of these areas is a highlight for you, I just want you to speak that name. Just begin to speak it over and over, just to yourself. Just as a declaration in your own lives. Maybe it's the Lord is my victor, Jehovah Nisi. Maybe it's the healing God, God Almighty El Shaddai. Maybe it's the covenant maker that God wants to make a covenant with you. Hallelujah. Just say the name. Just say the name. Yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Lord, I bless your people today. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to grow us this week. I thank you, God, that you're going to reveal more and more of who you are, and you're going to grow us and take us along on this journey to places we've never been that we will hear things from you we've never heard, that we will see things we've never seen, and we will experience things we've never experienced before because you are the progressive revelation God. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, be blessed. And uh, if you want some of these verses and these things that we talked you know, we move pretty fast. We'll put some of those on the website. That'll help you with your declarations. Amen.